Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Joshua chapter 14, verse 7, it says, This is Caleb. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. How many right now, God's got a land for us to possess? He's got a promise for us to possess. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand on the edge of my promise and not possess it. And I like here, Caleb, he was one of the spies and he spied out the land. Now, he was different to the other spies, him and Joshua were, because they didn't spy with their little eye. Some of us still are playing the game, I spy with my little eye. I like Caleb, and I love the spirit he possessed, because he spied with his faith eye. Come on, right now, I want you to look at your future through the eyes of faith. Not through the eyes of your circumstance, not through the eyes of what's going on around you. It's I spy. Come on, let's say that. I spy with my faith eye. He says, I spied out the land and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Isn't that interesting? That how we see our future is determined by what's in our heart. In fact, one person said, we don't see with our eyes, we see through our eyes. And what's in our heart ultimately determines our perception. See, many people see, their, see God as, as a, a, a mean dad. And now often your, your perception will determine, how you perceive God will determine what you receive from God. I like Caleb because he had a good view of God and he brought back word that was in his heart. He said, but nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Man, right now, I believe this world is needing people who are fully committed to the purposes of God. One thing I've found is that half-hearted Christians are faint-hearted Christians. But people who wholly follow the Lord, God gives them courage to possess their land. So Moses, there's so much in this verse. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. Held's Caleb, he's 85 years old. And yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Just quickly turn to your neighbor and say, give me this mountain. Come on, how many here have got a mountain that they want to possess? You know, that at the end of their life, they'll look back on and they say, I possess the mountain that God assigned to me. You know, I believe if we're going to do that, we need to have the conviction and the courage of Caleb who said, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke to me in that day. For you heard in the day how the Anakim, that's the giants, were there, not Anakin, but Anakim, not Anakin Skywalker, but the Anakim were there and the, the cities were great and they were fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me 
and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed, blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephthah, as an inheritance. Well, the title of my message today is Anakim is on the menu. Anakim is on the menu. Everybody over the age of 40, how about, how about you just lift your hand right now? You know, if you need help, ask the person next to you. Uh, okay, look, uh, yeah, right now, everybody under the age of 40, lift up your hand. Everybody under 40, okay. Everybody over the age of 40, lift up your hand. Look around, look around, look around. Yeah, uh, many people come to churches like ours and say, man, man, this church is full of a whole lot of young people. And, and sometimes, believe it or not, that's not a compliment. Well, it's not given as a compliment. You know, almost the same, there's, there's nobody like me here. It's too young. But, it, but it's interesting what people don't see. You know, so often they can look at everybody young around them, but they miss how many are over the age of 40? In fact, looking at the crowd today, I'd say 40% of the crowd is over the age of 40. I'm one of those. I'm no longer young. You know, so many people think, oh, you're a young pastor. I've got a great beard. I've been around a long time. I've got no hair. You know, I'm not young. But so many people think, you know, even in their 40s, they're young. But, you know, hey, man, you've had some years behind you. You know, I've been leading church right now. For, I've been in ministry for over, 40, uh, for over 22 years, not 42 years. Man, I would have started at the age of one. Uh, but, but it's amazing how, you know, our natural age can sometimes de determine our attitude. Uh, for one person, they're looking for reasons why they don't fit in and why they can't connect. Uh, but for another, they're just looking for reasons to get right in the middle of what's going on. See, see we don't have churches like this that, that have lasting impacts and global expansion. Do you know right now what's happening through Equipus Church Wide World is just, just out of this world. You know, we could never have orchestrated what God is doing in Europe. It's just a sovereign move of God. In fact, two weeks ago in Europe, we had 350 pastors and leaders. You know, who would have thought that from New Zealand, we could have an impact into the world? You know, so many people go, well, how did you do that? And often Bruce and I and different ones look back and go, we don't know how. It's just the work of God. I want to even say in this place, you know, what's happened in Equippers Christchurch over the years is just the work of God. It's the work of God. God is moving and He's bringing young and old together because God understands that if we're to impact our world, we need the generations working together. You know, I love the fact that uh, we're a church here that's, that's uh, people don't just come because of the lights and the music. They come because the Spirit of God is in this place. Now, there's great power when we work together, when every age is participating, when everyone is moving forward. And, and I love Caleb because here he is at 85. He's older and he hasn't checked out. He hasn't disengaged. Uh, my grandfather recently moved to Auckland with his wife. He's 93 and she's 90. They were staying in Levin, a small town just north of Wellington, and they've moved up everything, packed up, put it in their motorhome. Yes, he's driving at the age of 93. 
you know, he says, hey, drivers have changed on the road. They're not the same as they used to be. He said, people tend to toot a lot more than they used to. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking it's not that they've changed. <laughs> But he drove his motorhome up overnight. He's arrived in Auckland. He's 93 years of age. And at Christmas this year, he was sitting with me over the dinner table. And he said, Sam, Sam, I just don't feel like I've made my mark yet on the world. He, he goes, I, I still feel like there's something in me, something left in me that I need to do. I need to make my mark on the world. And I think, what a spirit that is. At the age of 93, he hasn't checked out. He hasn't stopped dreaming. Because I love that when the Spirit of God comes upon uh, people, it says, old men will dream dreams. Come on, how many are the, uh, a little bit older in this place? Wait, if you're over 40, you're a little bit older. You know, will dream dreams, and young men will see visions. Some of you aren't willing to uh, admit that you're actually a little bit older. <laughs> But old men will dream dreams. Here's the deal. When old men stop dreaming dreams, young men stop seeing visions. Come on, if we want our young people to see visions, we've got to keep dreaming dreams. And I love Caleb because he is strengthened, diminished. At the age of 85, he still believed he could take a mountain. Now, he had waited for 45 years. But he said in verse 11, yet I'm as strong this day on the day of Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. He was strong at 40, but he was just as strong at 85. You know, physical strength may diminish with age. How many know, for those who are a little bit older, the mind's willing. And your mind will tell you that you can do what you did 20 years ago. But how many know the body's a little bit weaker? It can't do the things. It doesn't recover the way it used to. You know, it, it takes a, a little long. The mind's willing, but, but the body's not as strong. But in the spirit, it's different. It, it doesn't work that way. In the spirit, you go from strength to strength. Come on, that's how it works in the Spirit. In Psalm 84, verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Come on, you're blessed when you make a decision to dwell in the house of God, not just attend. Too many people don't, aren't blessed because they just attend. But blessed are those who dwell in the house. They will still be praising you. I, I like that. You know, in 10 years' time, what are you going to be doing? I pray we're still praising God. There wasn't just a moment. There wasn't just a fad. It just wasn't something I was going through while my circumstances were going well. Now I pray that we are still praising God. Still praising God. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. How many know this is a journey? It's an adventure whose heart is set on a pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping. How many know hard times do come to people? You know, the person who promised to give your life to Jesus and all your problems will go away is a liar. How many know we're going to face problems? God doesn't remove our problems, but He gives us the strength to go through our problems. And when you go through the valley of Baca, when you go through the valley of weeping, it says they make it a spring. 
Come on, in your heartache, in your problem right now, there's a spring. If you look at it rightly, they make it a spring and the rain covers it with pools and they go from strength. Come on, somebody say this. They go from strength to strength. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going from strength to strength. I really want to declare that over this church. You're going from strength. There's strength in this place and you're going from strength to strength. Not from strength to weakness. Not, not from strength to being a spectator, not from strength to being cynical. Come on, you're going from strength to strength. Uh, I, you know, it's not, uh, well, I once used that faith muscle, but now I don't use it. How, how many know if you don't use it, you lose it? A- atrophy sets in. And so many of us can look at the circumstances and situations around our life, and we can use that as an excuse for disengaging. But if we're to go from strength to strength, we've got to use what we have. And I love the fact that at 85, Caleb was strong. I just quickly want to give you four areas where Caleb's strength comes from. Quickly this morning, four areas. Where did Caleb's strength come from? Number one, it came from opposition. That's where it came from. In fact, let's go to Numbers. Let's go to Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. Numbers 14, verse 9, it says, Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. What are they? They are our bread. Uh, Bread, something that you eat. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The giants, which were called Anakim, Caleb called them bread. In fact, if you unpack that word bread in the Hebrew, it means doorway to learn from the Holy Spirit. It's the doorway to learn from the Holy Spirit. Now, as believers, I want to suggest to you today that Anakim need to be part of our stable diet. As believers, we should be eating Anakim for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Some of us right now, our dreams are too small. And God wants to upsize your meal. Some of you have just had a little snack over here, but God wants you to eat giant. Come on, we're called to eat giant for lunch, for dinner, for every meal of the day. Without Anakim, you don't have the nutrients and the nourishment you need. When was the last time you ate bread? Now, I'm not just talking about bread that you have for breakfast. I'm saying, when was the last time you ate giant? You, you, ate, you defeated a giant because there's something inside of that giant that brings strength to your life. You know, that's why your mom said, come on, eat all your spinach. You know, if you eat your spinach, you'll grow big and strong. You'll become like Popeye. Come on, Popeye the sailor man. Yeah, 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 you know it. It's the same, you know, it's like God saying, eat your Anakin. Come on, you you need to eat your Anakin. You need that as part, because that will help you grow big and it'll help you grow strong. Caleb has said these giants won't be the means of our defeat, but they'll be the source of our growth. How do you view the giants in your world? 
See, see, the door of opportunity always swings on the hinge of opposition. And, and strength does not come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things that you thought you couldn't do. Yeah, my sister, uh, she's a party in a box. Uh, she's full of life. And, uh, you know, she came back uh, for Christmas. She lives in Australia. And uh, we're bouncing on the trip, trampoline. She turned uh, 46 yesterday, but it was a few years ago. I think she was 44 at the time. And she said, hey, remember how we used to do backwards flips as a kid? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I said, well, why don't you try one now? And she said, you do it first. I did it. And then I said, now your turn. And she goes, no, I can't. I've had four children. You know, I just can't do that. And I said, yes, you can. And we have one of these trampolines that has a net around it. And I said, you can do it. She goes, no, I can't. I said, yes, you can. She says, no, I can't. I said, yes, you can. I zipped up the net of the trampoline. And I said, if you don't do it, I'm going to get the hose. And I got the hose. And I said, if you don't do it in the next 10 seconds, I'm going to squirt you with the hose. How many know there was great motivation? And she wouldn't have done it unless I had a hose. It's amazing what you can do when you've got opposition. Some of us are wanting our lives all peaceful. She didn't realize she could do it. She did it and she did it easy. And she goes, oh, I did it. I did it. And she was even showing off to her children who couldn't yet do backwards flips. Here's your mom, 46 years of age, doing backwards flips. See, what you've got to understand is strength comes from the struggle. You know, a baby chick, when it hatches, if you help it get out of the egg, you're, you're going to actually shortcut the process in its life that it needs to fly. It won't build strength in its wings. The strength comes from the struggle, from the, oh, oh I, I need to get out of this place. Some of you right now, you're in a struggle, but I want to say there's strength in that struggle. And it's just to build strength in your wings so that you can fly. Come on, turn to your neighbor, say it's time to fly. <laughs> See, you got to understand, even with your children, we can't fight every battle for our children. In today's society, we've got too many helicopter mums and dads, you know, coming over, protecting our children from the struggle. But it's the struggle that develops something in them that's necessary for them to fight and be strong in life. Come on, we're building a strong generation here at Equippers Church. Yeah, we'll support, but there's some fa uh, battles that you've got to fight for yourself. See, when it came to the promised land, God gave it to them little by little. Because what you've got to understand is, is the fight to enter is the fight that's required to op occupy. If something is easily given to you, you won't treasure it to the same level. The fight to enter is also the fight to occupy. See, I find many people want to live in houses that they couldn't afford to pay the water bill. You know, I was looking through a real estate magazine. I thought, man, wouldn't it be awesome living in that house? That house would be amazing. Then I looked at the rates bill, 30000 a year. See, it's one thing moving in. It's another thing paying the power bill. 
the water bill, the rates bill. See, many people want to live in neighborhoods that they couldn't afford to maintain. God wants to grow something in your spirit. How how many know if you got a call from Steve Hansen right now and and said, hey, guess what? You know, we've got somebody out that got injured. And uh, next week when we play our game, you're up, you're in. How many reckon that'll be an awesome, awesome thing? If you got the call, man, I just, I've been waiting for the call. How many know it's one thing to get selected in a team, it's another thing to play the game. See, if we got selected, some of us would be blowing smoke after five minutes. We'd be claps on the, just out. Yeah, some of us saying, why aren't I getting selected? Because if you got selected, you wouldn't last the distance. It would kill you. You'd get smashed. It would do you a disservice. See, see, what you got to understand is you were born for something that lives on the other side of opposition. Uh, The promises of God are found on the other side of opposition. Your promise. Yeah, you need the strength to be able to say hello from the other side. There's a Adele reference for you. I just thought I'd throw that in there. But that's what we need the strength to go to the other side. But some of us looking at the opposition, we're collapsing. But strength is found in opposition. Number two, the reason he had strength is he knew his mountain. He knew what he wanted and he knew what he was up against. What did he want? He wanted his mountain. What was his mountain? It was Hebron. In fact, in the last verse, it says, Joshua gave Hebron to Caleb. What was Caleb fighting for? He was fighting for Hebron. Now, Hebron is a place of association and alliance. What was Caleb giving his life to? He was giving his life to fellowship because that's what Hebron is. It's fellowship. It's, it's inner unity that's expressed outwardly. Uh, the Greek word for it is kononia. It's not just being together. It's being united in, in heart and spirit. One of the things that we need to fight for in the church right now is unity. We need to fight. We need to preserve unity. Stuff goes on. No, we need to protect the unity of the faith. Don't get caught up in battles you have no business fighting. See, the enemy is always trying to divide. He's always trying to divide people. He's trying to divide marriages. He's trying to divide communities. He's trying to divide churches. He's trying to divide generations. Yeah, in fact, Jesus saw this a big deal that the last prayer he prayed, he said, I pray that they will be one. Before he said that, he said, I do not pray for the world. It's interesting that he had to clarify that. He says, I do not pray for the world. Isn't that interesting? That's where you think the need is. But he says, I do not pray for the world. I pray that they may be one. Yeah. I reckon he didn't pray for the world because he knew if the church, his believers were one, they would affect the world. See, God right now is not as much interested as what's happening in the world as what's happening in the church. Because ultimately what's happening in the church or the lack of what's happening in the church affects what's happening in the world. 
And, and we've got to come together. Let's not fight battles. We have no business fighting. How many know a lot of arguments are just a waste of time? Uh, they're just a complete distraction. They don't change things. They don't bring healing. In fact, in a lot of places, they just aggravate the wound. And in the context of bread, Jesus said this. He charged them saying, take heed. Somebody say, take heed. Take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, leaven is yeast, is what's used to make bread. And it's small, but it has a big impact. And he's saying there's two spirits that we need to be wary of. We need to be wary of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. Two spirits. The leaven of the Pharisees is a religious spirit. We need to be wary of a religious spirit. The other spirit that we need to be wary of is the leaven of Herod, which is a political spirit. See, the enemy doesn't mind what side of the conflict you're on as long as you react. And you react in a way that's just as wrong as the issues you're addressing. I like what Bill Johnson says. He says, and a reaction to an error creates a bigger error. A reaction to an error creates a bigger error. You know, I've taught my daughters this. I say, when your siblings say something nasty to you, it's not really about them, about you. It's about them. And they're only saying that because they don't like themselves. They're only saying that because they're hurt. Now, if you react to that, you're just as bad. I like the fact that my daughters have got there. I shared this before one time. My oldest daughter was intermediate and a boy said something nasty to her and made her want to cry. And she took a step back and she remembered what I said. And she said, Thomas, you're only saying that because you don't like yourself. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> right there, headbutt moment, drop the mic. What? And he took a couple of steps back and he said, actually, you know, you're right. My parents have just split up. I've just been to the doctors and I'm in danger of getting diabetes. I don't like myself. To which my daughter said, can I pray for you? Uh, sometimes we justify our actions by the misgiving of another. It's no justification. A, a reaction to an error creates a bigger error. And we've got to operate in a spirit of love and a spirit of forgiveness. Oh, but they did this. They did no justification. And, and you're engaging in a political and a religious spirit. See, see these, these, these spirits are out to divide. They try and isolate. They try and demonize. It, it's it's, it's a, a mob mentality. Today, uh, people believe if it's popular, it's true. Oh, it must be true. Everybody's saying it must be true. See, you'll die in the wilderness if you have that mentality, though. Because the giants are big. We can't do it. We'll die. How many know that was a popular mentality? Ten out of the two came back, and it caused the people's hearts to melt, and a whole generation died in the wilderness because they believed what was popular. Oh, well, everybody, have you heard what they're saying? I love the spirit of Caleb because he was in a minority but he still believed he was one in a million. 
Literally, there was only two who came back with a positive report. It was said that the Israelites were over two million. He had a one in a million spirit. I really believe we need to carry a one in a million spirit. See, see, we live in a politically correct world, you know, with elections around right now. You know, it's just amazing how many people will compromise their belief because it's popular. You know, what political correctness is, it's proof that stupidity is contagious. Come on, it's proof right now. It's like what people believe and what they'll compromise with things that are stated clearly in the Word of God. And even when it comes to elections, I'm not gonna tell you what to, to vote, but I'm gonna tell you, look at the morality issues. Because I believe God blesses people when they walk in righteousness. Come on, God exalts the righteous. You know, the, when, the, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Enough on that anyway. But you've got to understand that battle's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. Yeah, sin. No, no matter what sin is, what you've got to understand is sin is an act against design. So when we sin, sin is wrong. You are walking in a way that you weren't designed. See, see, what you've got to understand when it comes to your purpose in life, your purpose is attached to your identity. Now, one uh, instrument that's had an identity crisis is the wooden spoon. How many here got the wooden spoon? You got the wooden spoon. You didn't use the wooden spoon, but you got the wooden spoon. Come on, lift up your hand if you got the wooden spoon. Okay, many of you know what I'm talking about. Now, the purpose of a wooden spoon, the reason why it's wooden is so that you don't burn your hand. So it doesn't transfer heat when you're stirring something hot on an element. But how many know the wooden spoon has had an identity crisis and it's gone from a place where it's not transferring heat to transferring a whole lot of heat? Because it's confused about who it is. See, when you're confused about who you are, you'll be misused in a place. We've got to know who we are as sons and daughters of the King. See, I want to say, if you're in a battle, make sure it's a kingdom battle. You know, people go, oh, what side are you on? I like what, you know, the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua when he approached him. Joshua said, whose side are you on? You know, who are you for? Are you for us or against them? And he said, neither. You know, whose side are you on? Are you on this person's side or that? Neither. I'm on the side of the kingdom. I'm on the side of marriage. I'm on the side of unity. I'm on that side. That's the side I'm on. So people, the enemy tries to get in. Whose side? You know, who's wrong? Who's right? No, it doesn't matter. No, I'm on the side of unity. I'm on the side of reconciliation. I'm on the side of restoration. See, if you're in a battle, make sure you're in a kingdom battle. You know, so many people, you know, how many have heard the expression, hate the player, not the game? Hate the player, not the game. Uh, Well, in the kingdom, it's forget the player, focus on the game. You know, if you react to that player all the time, if you react to their misgiving, if you react over here, you won't fulfill your purpose. Don't engage. Uh, what you've got to understand is an outpouring will always bring opposition. Happened with Jesus, happened with the early church. What makes us think it'll be any different? But one thing I've found is, listen to this. 
God empowers people who don't want the power for themselves. So as long as we keep our heart pure and we're not looking to get anything from it, you'll know the empowerment of God's Spirit. It's the people who want power for themselves. They're the ones who will often react and they're the ones who will be threatened and they're the ones who will cause a problem. Come on. Is this helping this morning? Come on, you want strength. I want the strength of Caleb. I want to be Caleb at the age of 85. You know, still pursuing God, still saying, I'm going to take this mountain. You know, I like this. Nevertheless, the brethren who went up made the other people melt. But I, what? I wholly followed the Lord in every aspect, aspect of my life. I wholly followed the Lord. Not everyone who's with you is with you. I want to say you need to move on from negativity. You need to get rid of gossip. Come on, you, you need to remove yourself from things and say, no, I'm going to be one of the two. I'm going to be one of the two that moves forward. Come on, how many want to be? A spy who spies with their faith eye. Number three, he put his heart into it. Six times, in fact, the Bible says that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. So not just once, not twice, not three times, four times, five times, but six times. The half-hearted, you've got to understand, will become the faith-hearted. You want to mess up your life? Just be half-hearted in your faith. Be disengaged. Yeah, you want to be disillusioned, get discouraged, be disheartened. Just be, be half-hearted. You know, if small things bother you, it shows me that your heart has shrunk. I, I want to say, never lose the spirit of awe and wonder. I want to say, if you've been a Christian for a wee while, are you still amazed at grace? Are you still amazed at grace? We can sing the song, but are you still amazed in awe and wonder of grace? Never lose that spirit. Uh, don't treat your relationship with God like another task on a task list. Like, oh, I've got to do the lawns. I've got to read my Bible. It's not like that. I've got to put out the rubbish. You've got to pay the bills. I've got to go to church. It's like, no, it's not another task. Don't lose the spirit of wonder, the spirit of, oh, we get to do this. We get to be a part of this. God's got a plan and He's got a purpose for my life. I get to connect with a loving Savior. The creator of the world wants to know me and I could be known by Him. Man, what a privilege and an honor it is to come together as the people of God and make a difference in this world. I'm not just sucking up air. I've got a, a destiny that's found in Jesus. You're not here by chance. You're born for such a time as this. You're born for kingdom purpose. You're not just paying the bills, surviving. Come on, God wants you to thrive in Jesus' name. Never lose the spirit of awe and wonder. You know, he wholly followed the Lord. Number four, last one, if we could have the musicians up, is God's promises never died in his heart. God's promises never died in his heart. And in fact, I challenge to say it was the promise that kept him alive. It was the promise that kept him strong. In Joshua 14, verse 12, it says, it may be that the Lord will be with me. Come on, as a church, we want to take on big things, not small things. We want to eat Anakim. Anakim's on the menu. 
we're upsizing our meal. And it just may be that the Lord will be with us. See, so many lives, people's lives are predictable. Yeah, you, know, you don't go on a roller coaster when it just has one trajectory. You go on a roller coaster because it has ups and downs. You don't watch a movie when you can predict the ending at the start. The, the movies that grab your attention are the ones where you're, gonna, you're trying to figure out what's gonna happen. How many know the, the moment you figure out who's the bad guy, you tune out? It's the same with the sports game. You know, after halftime, 31-0. <laughs> it's like, but, but when a, a game's closed and you don't know how it's gonna end, you're on the edge of your seat. You know, so many people's lives are predictable that they're just tuned out. Come on, no, create space where God can move. Maybe God will be with us. Maybe God will act on our behalf. See, we don't want just to be a church in the city. We wanna see the city in the church. We wanna win our world to Jesus. We wanna advance in Jesus' Name. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I'll be able to drive them out. I'll be able to overcome. I'll have a testimony. See, the, the factor which will determine whether we possess our promise is not our strengths. It's not our abilities. It's not how much resources we have. It's whether God is with us. <laughs> my grandmother, I'm speaking about my grandparents, my grandmother on the other side. She passed away two years ago. She was 97 years of age. And, uh, you know, there was a period where she was on her last legs and we thought, this is her time. And my auntie had done a, a wonderful job of just pastoring her through that, getting her ready for heaven, saying, hey, mama, is there anything that you just need to say before you go? And my grandmother was at a, a point where she was ready to go and the word went around the family and said, hey, uh, grandma's just about to pass away. And so she had all these visitors coming, more visitors than normal. And it was almost like suddenly she perked up and strength came back into her, 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 her whole being. And in fact, you know, it was another year and a half before she passed away. It was like something happened. In fact, um, my father was in the room and, and she closed her eyes and it looked like she had passed away. And and uh, she can't, uh, my father comes out and says to my wife, Kathy, oh, yeah, she's gone. She's gone to be with Jesus. And, you know, talks to her outside of the room. And then, then she comes back in. Uh, he comes back into the room, goes back into the room. And she's up and she's awake. And she goes, he goes, oh, Sybil, you're still here. I, I thought you were gone a while ago. <laughs> you know, 85 years. I, I just, you know, something was in his heart that kept him alive. You know, I, I really believe when you've got vision in your heart, it keeps you moving forward. When you've got a promise in your spirit, it helps you address the things that would hinder you. It helps you deal with the condition of your heart. When you don't have vision, you'll just let those things settle in your life. But when you've got vision, you know, I can't carry extra baggage. I've got to get rid of this baggage so I can run the race that God's called me to. So vision, God, the promise in Caleb's heart kept him alive. 
No, what promise are you holding on to? What promise are you believing God for? You know, the promise of seeing your family saved. The, the, the promise of making an impact and an influence in your workplace. Uh, the promise. The promise of seeing a city saved. Come on, together we can change a city. How, how many believe that? You know, in your heart, that's, that's why I'm at church, I'm believing. You know, it's taken some years, but sometimes good things take some time. But I'm not gonna let that promise diminish. I'm not gonna let go of that promise. I'm gonna hold on to that promise and I'm gonna trust God because He who promised it is faithful. He's not a liar that we should doubt. He will bring it about. I'm just gonna keep on believing God even though I don't understand. Come on, I'm not gonna hold God hostage to my unanswered questions. We serve a good God who wants to do good things in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but I, I wanna eat some Anakim. I don't want to just eat, eat it for one meal. When I go to a conference, come on, every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Anakim is on the menu in Jesus' name. Come on, we need to be people who say, give me this mountain. How many have got a mountain they want to possess? Come on, you recognize a mountain in your heart that you want to possess. Come on, just turn to your neighbor and say, give me this mountain. God's going to give me this mountain in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.